As Hank makes his way forward for our reading from the Gospel of Luke for today, I invite you to join me in our prayer for illumination, which you can find here up on the screens or in your worship bulletin. Let us pray together. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, May your word be shown. Amen. Good morning. The scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region, around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors, ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is the word of God. Thanks. And I need the kids to come forward for a children's sermon. Well, I want to talk about the holiday that's coming up. What's coming up? Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. What do you guys love? What do you love? And who do you love? I don't love a lot of things, but I hate a lot of things. Uh, not too good. Try again. Okay. I love video games. <sighs> video games? Ah, that's not what I was looking for. Well, he likes video games, and he also probably like, ah, uh, I love my friends. That's nice. Who first? Become, be, who comes before your friends? That's great. That's what I was looking for. Mountains. Mountains. Okay, mountains. There you go. And what do you who do you love, Caroline? My mommy. Oh, <gasps> that's so good. And I love my family, this church, and this country. Okay. Um, 
I I just want to like let you guys know that that this is a very you know um, a very important holiday because the man upstairs watches everything that we do. What? Yeah, and 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 who loves us? Who loves us the most? Yes, that's correct. I want to like I want a bag here, and I wanted to tell you a couple of things that you know are coming up. I'm going to Florida to visit my dad, who I love, and I love to be on the beach. So I bought this bag, and I thought that I would show it off. All right, and show it off. I also love. I have. What do I have in here? I have a banana. Thanks, Iris. Okay. All right, I'll take this, buddy. You guys can go have a seat. There we go. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's an old adage about preaching that the point of a sermon is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable, which I think is what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Plain. Jesus has been traveling throughout the countryside. And as we saw in the last couple of weeks, he went into the synagogues and he preached in those places. Sometimes his message was well received. Sometimes they wanted to 
throw him off a cliff. Jesus healed people. And he, he touched them. And he healed them. He cast out unclean spirits, evil spirits, comforted those who were in need. Jesus' whole life up to this point, from the moment we first meet his mother and his aunt and uncle in the Gospel of Luke, is all about this concept of jubilee that we were introduced to a few weeks ago. It's this idea from the Old Testament that every 70 years or every, every 50 years, there's supposed to be this evening out because there's a recognition that over the course of time, things can get kind of thrown out of balance for the people of Israel. Some folks have fallen on hard times. Other people have been prosperous. So in order for the people to remain connected on an even level, every 50 years, they are supposed to basically divvy everything up again. So if you've purchased land from someone over the course of 50 years, well, then it's time to give it back at that point. Um, if someone has come to work for you as a servant to pay off some kind of debt, then that servant and that debt are forgiven and the servant is restored back to his or her own level. The concept is called jubilee. High places brought low and low places brought up so that once again, everyone is on a level playing field. Now, as I mentioned when we talked about this a few weeks ago, there isn't evidence that the people of Israel actually ever practiced Jubilee. But you can understand the concept being there. When the angels appear to Mary and to Zechariah in Luke chapter one, they describe miraculous things that are going to happen. Right When the angel appears to Zechariah there in the temple while he is doing his priestly duty, he is told that his wife, who is beyond the age when she's able to bear children, is going to bear a son. And he is going to be after the prophet uh, Elijah, basically, to go ahead of the one who is to come, the promised Messiah and proclaim this good news about repentance and forgiveness of sin. And that grows up to be John the Baptist, and that's what John does. He proclaims this preparing the way in the wilderness, right? Mountains being brought down and valleys being filled in. That is John's message. Mary, the mother of Jesus, before she is the mother of Jesus, gets a visit from the angel who tells her that she will give birth to a son and they are to name him Emmanuel, God with us, and also name him Jesus, which means God saves. 
And when Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, she recognizes in Elizabeth and in this child that leaps within Elizabeth's womb, Mary sings a song that we know as the Magnificat. And it's a song all about rulers being brought down, common folks being brought up, and everyone playing on a level field. So it should not surprise anyone that here in Luke's gospel, when Jesus begins to preach, one of the first sermons that we get from Jesus as a more or less complete sermon, he stands on a level place. He's not up on a mountain looking down on them. He's on a level place with everyone standing on a level playing field and he proclaims a sermon. The first part of that sermon is what we have come to know as the Beatitudes. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. It's a message of blessing for those who are in trouble, for the poor, for those who hunger, for those who weep, and for those who are hated on account of their following the Son of Man. It's perhaps a little bit of a reversal from what the people of Israel were used to hearing. If you read through the book of Deuteronomy, you will read Moses' instructions to the people that if they follow God's law, they will be blessed. And if they don't follow God's law, then they will be cursed. So with that theological system in place, if you are wealthy and happy and well-fed and have good standing in the community, that means that you were a faithful, godly person. But if you are someone who's poor or struggles with disease or who is mourning someone or those who is of some kind of lowly state in the community, well, it's your own fault because you must have sinned. So here Jesus comes along and he offers a blessing on those that the community casts aside because of their own wrongdoing. Jesus comforts those who are afflicted. Now in Matthew's gospel, where we read about this sermon, Jesus kind of ends there and then moves on to something else. But in Luke, we get Jesus' words 
that come as a bit of a reversal. Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. This is a message that stings. It afflicts the comfortable. In the Old Testament book of the Kings, there are these schools of prophets that are employed by the kings to ask on behalf of the king things to God. And they are supposed to bring back a message from God to help the king to navigate the difficult things about being a king. Should I go to war against this other army? Should I, you know, care for my people? Should this or that? And, well, when you are employed by the king, if you bring a message that the king doesn't like, what do you think happens? Well, you're either unemployed or worse. And so, what happened with these schools of prophets is they got very good at telling the kings exactly what they wanted to hear. Because it was a good way to stay alive. And everyone thought well of them. You could make a good living by being a prophet to the king. But here, Jesus points out that life is not all about being rich, being well-fed, laughing now being spoken well of because that's how the false prophets were treated. And what happened to them? Well, from our Old Testament stories, we know that when the true prophet comes along, the false prophets go bye-bye. It's this great reversal that happens. So, Here's a question for us today. Is this sermon good news? Is it good news? Yeah. All right. I have one vote for yes. It's good news if you're in a certain position, right? If you're mourning today, if you're hungry today, if you're poor today, if folks are speaking ill of you because of your alliance with Jesus today, then this is great news. Help is on the way. A blessing is here. But what about if you're rich or well-fed or laughing or folks speak well of you? Jesus' words come as a challenge. Now I'll say this. I don't think that Jesus is saying that it's inherently wrong to be rich or well-fed 
or happy, spoken well of. What I think Jesus is calling into contrast here is that in one place you have gathered together the folks who are well off and the folks who could use a hand. Together in the same place. And there's a disparity there. Perhaps it might be better to say, woe to you who are rich and allow the plight of your brother who is poor to continue. Woe to you who are well fed and have plenty to spare and yet you allow your neighbor to go hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now in the face of your brother and sister who is mourning and doing nothing to comfort them. Woe to you who are spoken well of but have turned your back away from your Savior and allowed those who continue to follow to be spoken ill of. The issue comes in the disparity. And what we find throughout Luke's gospel and throughout the book of Acts as well is that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are on a mission in these texts to make everything a level playing field, to bring down the high places, to fill in the low places, and that it is the responsibility of those who are filled with the Holy Spirit and called into a life of faithfulness to also work for that continuation of Jesus' mission on earth. It calls into question our entire concept of salvation. When, off, when we think about being saved oftentimes our brains immediately jump to when we die, we will go to heaven, which is true. But that's not the only thing that Jesus is talking about. When Jesus mentions salvation to those who have trouble getting by, what he means is gathering those who are able to and giving a helping hand. It's an important message for us to remember on Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl of Caring Sunday. Because the food that we gather together here and throughout this month of February goes directly to people in our own communities who are in need. You can't always tell who those folks are just by looking at them. I remember being in high school and volunteering at a soup kitchen in, uh, it was actually college, I guess, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And having families come in where the husband, the wife, the kids, they had gotten off of work, they had jobs, and their kids went to school, but they were coming in for a meal because their medical expenses were through the roof or 
something had happened. These are folks that fit into society. They look just like everyone else. You can't always tell a person's need just by looking at them. And so that's why we partner with organizations like the Center for Food Action and Emanuel Cancer Foundation, because these are places where folks can go admit their need and receive the help that the rest of us are able to provide. part of our responsibility as the people of God because chances are chances are more often we find ourselves in the category of those that Jesus is speaking woe to than the category of those that Jesus is speaking blessings to so the good news for us not that we should be discouraged by Jesus' words, but instead I think his words for us today are an encouragement to us towards generosity, an encouragement towards doing what we can, playing our part in Jesus' mission to make the world a level playing field, our families, our communities, our neighborhoods a place where valleys are filled in, mountains brought low, that we as the people of God might ourselves be in a level place and then extend that level place out into those places where we live and work. It's a high calling but something I think that is consistent with who Jesus has called us to be as the people of God. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for a hard message. We thank you for delivering it to us when sometimes we need the encouragement towards generosity we thank you for being a God who is not afraid to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. We thank you that we as a people have received the presence of your Holy Spirit to guide us in ways of faithfulness and righteousness. So Lord, give us the courage to be open in our weaknesses and give us the courage to be generous. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me now as we affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed? People of God, what do we believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.